0: The Washington Capitals are the
1: 2018 Stanley Cup champions. It's not a dream. It's not a desert mirage. It's Lord Stanley,
0: and he is coming to Washington.
1: Welcome back. To Jay Radio, I'm your host Greg Young, and today we have a super exciting special guest. Uh, I think this might be one of the first people who works for the Greater Washington Capitals organization uh, on Jay Purser Radio, and I'm really Jay Radio, and I'm really excited to have on Emily Engelnotsky. Emily, how are you doing today?
0: I'm great. How are you, Greg?
1: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So uh, first off, I want to say um, I, just congratulations on being hired into one of uh, one of our like I think definitely my favorite minor league hockey team. I might be a little biased there, but also Hershey has an incredible amusement park. So there you go. Um, so Emily, uh, this is uh, I think your first time on. I'm guessing it definitely is your first time on Jay Persnick Radio. So give people kind of a little bit of a bio, where uh, where do you, uh, where where have been your past stops in the uh, greater hockey world and kind of what brought you to Hershey?
0: Yeah, so I am located in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, I've been here since 2014. Um, and I've honestly, I've been lucky enough to be here my entire, I guess, uh, hockey career in terms of earning a paycheck from hockey. Um I went to school at the University of Colorado in Boulder and played club hockey there, Um, but I was lucky enough to come here to Madison and start out with the women's basketball team in 2014 into 2015, and then uh, moved over to the hockey side in the summer of 2015.
1: Cool. Cool. And I, I know that you've had a few different stops, uh, kind of on different levels. So, because I know that you've worked with uh, USA, the developmental team, right, or, or, or kind of in that vein. So, have uh, kind of just like aside from uh, working for Wisconsin, where, where else have you kind of been, uh, been uh, kind of deployed?
0: Yeah. So I started out. I mean, the whole reason I got into video coaching was an event called the World University Games, um, and so that was in 2013. I believe it's every two years, and it's for club athletes around the world to come together. And it's kind of like a mini Olympics. Um, It's an awesome event. And my club coach at CU was an assistant coach for the women's hockey team in 2013. And she called me out of the blue one day and said they needed a video person for the World University Games and asked if I was interested. Um, so I said yes to two weeks in Northern Italy. Don't know how you could turn that down. I would do that, um, sounds pretty nice.
1: <laughs> yeah, so- Particularly right our, now. Uh,
0: yeah, no kidding. Um, so that's kind of how I got introduced to this whole career. Um, and then I started doing the girls player development camps which are held every summer in St. Cloud, Minnesota. I started doing that in 2015. Um, I was able to work with the U18 women's national team in 2017 into 2018, where we went to, uh, Russia in January of 2018, uh, and won a gold medal, which was awesome. And then I, I guess you could say got promoted to the women's national team, um, in 2018 into 2019 and got to go to the, uh, world championships in Finland, um, And be a part of probably one of the craziest gold medal games um, ever. Um, And, you know, so hockey's taken me all over the world, and I'm really lucky and grateful for that.
1: Yeah. So I guess before we kind of dive into video coaching, and I have like a million questions I could ask you about that, I, obviously COVID and COVID spikes are kind of at the top of the news right now. And uh, I know Wisconsin in particular has kind of been heavily hit. So Wisconsin is playing right now. How, but how has COVID kind of affected the way that uh, Wisconsin has kind of conducted both uh, kind of meds and women's hockey and athletics in general?
0: Yeah, so things look a little different, obviously. Um, All the coaches who are on the ice are wearing masks. Um, Athletes and staff are tested every day. Um, So we start our morning by going to get the nose swab. Um, Oh, that's got to be fun. (laughs) You know what? It's just a great way to start your day, have a cup of coffee and get your nose swabbed. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, So I think things just look a a little different. Um, There's not as many people walking around the rinks that you would normally see um and obviously no fans so with the men's team we were in South Bend to play Notre Dame last weekend and normally they fill their building and it's a really tough environment to play in but there were no fans Uh, a couple family members for each team and then obviously the broadcast crew but um you know things just look a little different but you know it's still hockey at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. Yeah and I mean the games I think uh from what I've gotten to see they've they've been uh they've been pretty uh kind of look I mean obviously without fans but I think things kind of look at least relatively normal I mean maybe a little scattershot but obviously the first few games of the year are kind of going to look like that anyways eh
0: Yeah exactly and you know we've been practicing for so long I mean these guys have been practicing against each other for months now so honestly I think they were just so glad to play somebody else instead of practicing but <laughs> Uh, the intensity and the pace of play was outstanding. Yeah.
1: So, okay. So let's let's dive into to video and coaching because uh, this is something that I am very excited to get to ask you because I, as a geeky hockey fan, have lots of geeky hockey questions. But before I go into that, I guess kind of describe a little bit of – I guess maybe I'll ask it this way. Can you describe kind of a – A game cycle in terms of like where, say that there's a game, kind of where does your job start in terms of coordinating video and how does that kind of change and progress as you get closer to game day and kind of in game?
0: Yeah, so I would say the first step is scouting the opponent. Um, So I'll pull a couple of their previous games, go through it, um, kind of mark all the systems. So how they forecheck, how they break out, um, things like that, just to get some general trends and see if you anything in particular, um, and kind of give your own team an idea of what they're going to see when you play them. Um, So I would say that's really where it starts. Um, And then, you know, I'll film practice during the week uh, to see if there's anything the team can improve on, or anything like that. Um, And then the day of the game, there's usually a couple of meetings in the morning, uh, just kind of going over trends. Uh, of the opponent again um, you know if they're going to see anything different or in particular this is what they like to do or you know they have certain personnel who like to do certain things Um, coordinate with the other team a little bit and make sure that they're all set and good to go Um, make sure they don't need anything else and then when it comes to game time it's just making sure that cameras work um, the tv feed is on Uh, coaches feel like they're ready prepared to go they don't need any last video stuff Um, and again just making sure the other team is all set they're not having any technical difficulties and then we're dropping the puck and I'm watching on my laptop and marking things and um, you know trying to help our coaches uh, in between periods see anything that they need to see Yeah. So I guess one
1: thing I'm kind of curious as a total layman to this process is uh, one of the things I would imagine is that you possess a huge amount of information, but... Uh, trying to digest that information into doable like pieces for a player and a coach to understand is going to be kind of a, I would imagine a bit of a challenge. So how does that work in terms of uh, where does the responsibility lie in terms of identifying trends and passing like insights along to coaches and stuff like that? Kind of, how does that work?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, we are living in the age of a lot of information yes. um, <laughs> especially, you know, analytics are a huge trend right now. There's a ton of companies out there who provide, you know, reports that are like 15 pages long. Um, And so for me, I think the biggest thing is knowing our coaching staff and knowing what they're looking for. Um, So I think those relationships are huge um, on any staff, but especially for a video coach, because you're kind of the messenger of information between the actual game and your coaches. Um, You know, There's a lot of things that they're not gonna look at um, and there are things that you know for sure that they're gonna wanna see or numbers that they're gonna wanna know. Um, So I kind of look at myself as that middleman or that messenger and picking and choosing the information that I think our coaches or our players are gonna need.
1: So I mean, how much of that is Uh, what what you think is important versus what a coach is gonna want like how does that kind of collaboration work and does it does that develop kind of over time as you get more familiar with the role
0: yeah I think it definitely develops and for me personally I try to be just as upfront as I can um, usually in the off season or right before the season and just ask like you know what do you guys feel is important Um, and that may change week to week depending on who your opponent is Um, Or it may stay the same for years. Um, But I think it really depends on the staff. And there's just a lot of trust um, in that relationship, that they know you're going to take care of them, and that you're going to get them the information that they need. Um, So it's definitely just, it's a trust thing, I would say.
1: Yeah. So, OK, I do have a I do have a question and this is going to be a little different with college hockey versus the NHL and the AHL a little bit. But one thing that I know that JP from our site has talked about a little bit is that coaching can kind of work differently a little bit during the regular season versus a playoffs in the sense that, at least in the NHL and AHL, it's a little more during the regular season, you're kind of trying to focus on your system. And then during the playoffs, it's going to be as much oppo as you can. And you're kind of adjusting to what other teams are doing. So is that kind of, have you seen that all in college? Does it, does, how does, how does your job change during the regular season versus maybe a postseason series when you're talking about matching up with one team?
0: Yeah. So I think, you know, at least in the Big Ten, there's seven teams in our conference. So we're playing them so many times in a season that we know them very well. Um, And so, you know, mostly I would say in the regular season, it's how are we going to play to beat this team? It's not so much what are they doing? It's we want to play our way and our systems. um, And we think that that is enough to beat another team. Obviously, there's going to be um, little tweaks here and there but I think for the most part you just try to stay to your own game um, the postseason can be way different because when you get into uh, tournament time you might be seeing let's say Dartmouth who you haven't played in six years yeah um, and so there's a lot more scouting that goes into the post postseason I would say because you're not seeing those teams as much um, so I think it's it's much different regular season to postseason. Um, and a lot of the time, it's one game and you're done. You know, you lose yeah. and your season's over. It's not necessarily a three-game series or a five-game series. It's um, so kind of a
1: cruel it, sport that way, huh?
0: It, exactly. And it can be, you know, an overtime goal that changes the outcome of your season. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, we were in the Big Ten title game. And we needed that win to get into the NCAA tournament and we lost in double overtime. Oof. So, you know, for the seniors, that's their last college game and it sucks, but I mean that's just kind of the way college hockey is and you know that going into it. So um, you know, the stakes are really high once you get into that postseason play.
1: Yeah. So I, I guess one one thing that I'm curious about your because you've mentioned that you want to go into coaching a little bit, too. And I, I guess just putting yourself in the shoes of a, of a potential coach, what do you what would you say is you're trying to give all of this massive amount of information to players? So how do you make that bite size? Like what is what are some of the how do you make it so that the information that players getting isn't overwhelming, particularly in a sport that is as fast moving and as kind of free flowing as hockey can be.
0: Yeah. I think first of all, you have to recognize who your players are. So, you know, at the college level, they're 18 to 22, 23 years old um, and the attention span is not going to be very long. Um, You know, everything that we ingest nowadays online is, 60 seconds, or it's 30 seconds. And so I think when you're trying to put information together, you find a sample size that really shows, at least in terms of video, what you're trying to get across. And it might be two or three examples, but it clearly shows okay, this is what this team is doing. This is how they forecheck. Here's three clear examples of what you can expect. Um, So I think it's just trying to find those pieces of information that really get the message across and just kind of hammering home those bite-sized um, pieces of information. Yeah. So, okay.
1: I, I have two more questions for you, then we're going to take a quick break. Um, I guess I'm really curious about how, let's say it's like a random Saturday night and Emily, you turn on a hockey game just to watch it. How are you going to be how do you process hockey games at this point, kind of given your knowledge of video and tactic? What are just some of the things that you maybe would notice that maybe a more casual fan might not?
0: Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if I can ever watch a game as just a casual fan anymore. Um, yeah, which <laughs> it's isn't hard to necessary. go back, I would imagine. It, it's really hard to go back. Um, but I would say I try to at least challenge myself a little bit when I am watching a game, you know, on a Saturday night. Wednesday night rivalry game on NBCSN or whatever it is, um, I try and recognize what kind of systems they're running. So, you know, are they are they doing a one, two, two, four check or, you know, things like that. So um, I think that's one thing that Tony Granato and his staff here have really tried to um, get me to do is You can't really just watch a game casually, like try and pick out what they're doing, Um, which I'm really grateful for because it's helped me see the game uh, much better than I used to. Um, So I would just say, you know, you try and find out those systems, you know, you look at their special teams and try and see how they dissect a PK type of thing. So, there's no casual viewing anymore for me. <laughs> well, I mean, I, would, the, the, I guess the good
1: part is you're you're doing your job when you just watch hockey in a way, which is kind of sure. kind of cool I would imagine. Absolutely. Um, so I, I guess my kind of, I'm going to ask one more question. We're going to take a quick break and then I, I'm going to ask Emily all kinds. I'm going to bust out the hockey plays and strategies book and ask Emily some, some questions. Uh, but uh, I guess before that, um, so you, you have a new job with the Hershey bears and I'm kind of curious, how is that job going to be what you do now versus is there any kind of other aspects to it that are maybe going to be a little different for you to learn?
0: I think it's gonna be just more video heavy, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, I think anybody who works in college will tell you, you wear a lot of hats, Um, you know, so I'm not just a video coach, Um, you know, I'm helping creating stuff to send to recruits or I'm helping keep together our alumni database. Um, And so, you know, at the college level, you're wearing a ton of hats and that's not to say that that won't happen in Hershey too. um, But kind of the idea that I've been given is, it's video. Like you are a video coach. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that and really getting to focus in on that, um, that aspect of it for sure.
1: Cool. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And then on the other side, I am going to ask Emily, my, I'm going to unload the, the podcaster's notebook of geeky hockey questions. So, uh, stay tuned. Welcome back to J person radio. I'm still here with Emily and Emily, I have a few questions that, I am really curious to hear because you're you're a unique hockey mind, and I'm really excited to get to ask you some questions about kind of just more on the tactical level. So one thing that I've noticed we've seen hockey wide is an increased involvement in defensemen in the flow of play. It seems like we're kind of away from the age of the stay-at-home defenseman, and we're all kind of living in a Quinn Hughes-ish world where – and I, I say that as a Washington Capitals fan who we have <laughs> players like John Carlson and Dmitry Orlov who are regularly hopping into play too. So is that something you expect to, consi- to continue, or how much does a maybe a pinching strategy with a defenseman get to change based on the different coaching uh, schemes?
0: Yeah, I think it's definitely something you see at all levels now, too. Um, You know, it's getting all five players involved. So, you know, whether that's jumping into a rush or, you know, somehow a defenseman finds himself as the first four checker. And so they're in on the four check. Um, But I think it's a really exciting kind of development for defensemen. Um, You know, they're much more involved in the offensive side of play and, I think it makes it really hard for opposing teams when you have a defenseman like Dmitry Orlov or a Quinn Hughes who can make your life difficult because they will jump into the play. Um, and it completely changes the way that teams play in their defensive zone. Um, so it creates a lot more opportunity for scoring. And I think everyone will agree uh, fans love to see goals. So yes. <laughs> um, I, I don't see that trend going away. I see you know, it only continuing or getting better, honestly.
1: Yeah. So I, I guess I, to kind of build off of that, uh, we've been in the NHL world living with the trap for a very long time. And uh, I'm sure remnants of that have con- have gotten onto college. But at least from what I've seen at, at Michigan, college, the college hockey seems a little more free-flowing, and it seems like the NHL is – slowly maybe starting to ease its way into wide open hockey. So I guess I'm kind of curious how you think of something like the trap and do you see it maybe diminishing, developing, like kind of how do you see something like that working as you kind of develop your hockey knowledge?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, you might see it diminish more just because players are so uh, skilled these days and they're so smart. Um, And so they're going to find ways to beat those traps. Um, So, you know, you're constantly adapting to new styles of play, um, younger players coming in um, and coaches have to change the way that they think about the game, too. So, you know, you see a player like Quinn Hughes and he's not your traditional defender. Um, Yeah. (laughs) You know, and so, you know, on the same side, like you have forwards coming in doing things that wouldn't have happened 10 or 15 years ago just skill level wise so um you know i don't know whether you see that diminish or you just see a change and evolve but um you know with the style of players that are coming in different sizes um a lot of skill the skating ability is getting much better the game is faster um excuse me i think you just you see that change
1: Yeah. So I guess I guess one thing that because you've you've been involved in a lot of different levels of hockey is I think if you compare kind of where hockey is maybe 20 or 30 years ago to where it is now, the development pattern is you you just see players that are more sophisticated and are just better prepared the younger that they go on. So I guess I'm kind of curious um, have you seen I and mean, we see a lot of players come from similar places in the sense of like you see a lot of people go through the U.S. developmental team and all of that. So I guess from a tactics and strategy standpoint, have you seen things maybe get a little more standardized between teams or is there still room for creativity in coaching and kind of developing your system?
0: I think there's definitely room for creativity. Um, there's so many, I guess, different types of players these days. Um, You know, like you were saying, we don't just have stay-at-home defensemen anymore. We have um, defensemen who are going to jump into the play. Um, And I think coaches nowadays are a lot more willing to let those players be creative. um, And kind of, I wouldn't say give them free reign because they're not like out of control. But um, I think there's more room for players to try different things, um, which is awesome. I think it's great. It makes the sport really exciting that's why we see the Nikita Kucherovs, you know, pulling things that, again, 20, 30 years ago, people would have thought are impossible. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so I think that's the awesome part of the game is how much it evolves and I guess how quickly it evolves, too. Um, it makes things really... Exciting.
1: I guess one, one other thing I'm kind of curious about. Uh, I'm, I'm a geeky analytics person, and I know that you have access to a lot of that kind of information on on your end, too. So what do you what do you see these days as the next frontier for information that you really want to find out about, and I might be asking a player tracking follow up question to this too okay. so uh, but like at least just from like a data standpoint what do you what do you, what does someone like you look for like what 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 is information you find useful and maybe what is information you don't find useful
0: yeah, I mean like I said earlier we're i mean this is the age of information, um, almost to a point where it's like too much. Um, (laughs) and you really have to sift through and figure out what matters, um, and what's important for your team. And that might be different, uh, for every, like for different teams across your league or different coaches. Um, so figuring out what matters, um, to me, you know, I'm kind of a, I don't want to say a gym rat, but I like to work out and exercise. So, (laughs) For me, I think the time on ice piece uh, with like a workload information um, is really interesting and in seeing kind of where that sweet spot is for different players um, to maximize basically what they're able to do in a game. Sure. Uh, you know, we have defensemen like a Seth Jones who in that five overtime game played. <laughs> what did he play? Like, set, well,
1: like yeah.
0: yeah, just an <laughs> incredible, like 60, like literally an hour of hockey. Yeah. Um, and he looked like he could just, you know, keep going. Um, Certainly that's an anomaly. Um, That's like superhuman crazy. But for me, I think it's really interesting to see those workloads and see where that sweet spot is for certain players.
1: Yeah, that's... So I guess I'll, I'll follow up with this on player tracking. And I think that as a person that does not work in an organization... I'm kind of curious, uh, at least from my standpoint, on what is the information I'm going to be able to get and what am I not? But I guess you're gonna come at this from a different perspective because you're gonna have access to information that I could only dream of, at least from a player tracking standpoint. So without without going, I guess, too into specifics, what are you hoping for player tracking to look like and what do you think would be useful to glean from it and not?
0: Oh man, I mean, (laughs) uh, there's honestly so much information available. Um I don't even know what I would add to it to be completely honest. I mean there's heat mapping which is available now. Um you know there's all sorts of different equations and mathematics that I am not good at that goes into it. Uh, <laughs> Me neither. So
1: you're fine. Now. Yeah,
0: that's why there's people who literally are, you know, mathematicians who are getting into this stuff. Um so you know it's hard because a lot of coaches might have kind of that old school mindset of like, I don't need analytics. You know, like this seeing I test is good enough for me. Um and so right now for me at Wisconsin, we're we're definitely in between. We're not totally in the old school point of view, but we're also not using analytics a ton. Um we're kind of starting to delve into it a little bit and find out, like I said earlier, what really matters to us. Um but I mean there's so many different companies out there who all they do is player analytic reports. Um, and you look, like I said, it can be a 15-page report and you're trying yep. to figure out, okay, what's important here? so what I are the two bullets
1: that we need to pass on to our players or whatever?
0: Correct, correct. Or even your coaching staff, you know, sure. like there's so many things to think about. You don't really want to add to that um, unless you think it's really, really important. So in terms of player tracking, I don't know... I guess where it could go, um, you know, I spoke with someone else. I think it was Mike Vogel just talking about virtual reality aspect, which could come into play you know in the next couple of years. That's uh, <laughs> I think it would be awesome, yeah, so whether that actually happens, I'm not sure, but I think just in terms of like visualization for a player, um it could be really beneficial, so I'm a total tech nerd. Like I love all this stuff, but sometimes I'm like, I don't know where it could go from here, which is exciting. Because yeah, someone yeah. out there is like, oh, I have an idea, and then they make it happen. Yeah, and I think we're we're kind of at a exciting point in hockey
1: analytics in a way because I think you look at something and it's so sophisticated, and you look at it, and you're like, okay, I'm sure there's ways we can develop baseball analytics, like particularly with defense, but it, it, it's at, I think, a further point in a lot of ways than hockey. And also some of that is going to, of course, be that I think baseball is much more, I think, digestible from an analytics standpoint than hockey might be, which is a little more free-flowing of a sport. But I don't know, at least to me, it seems like we're kind of at a exciting point as just a hockey fan and researcher, as there's just a lot of things that we still have to discover.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, like, God, what, what could we add? Um, and there's... <laughs> there's so many, I guess, intangibles and variables that maybe you're not able to measure. Um, You know, you can't really measure a player's effort on a certain play um, and things like that. And then you put in the variable of matchups. So, you know, baseball is very stop and go, obviously. Um, And I think a sport like hockey where there's so much going on, you have so many variables, um, it can be really hard to, I guess, put a number on certain things, but I think that's probably where the door is open is trying to, um, I guess, put numbers to those different intangibles.
1: Yeah, well, It's really exciting. So uh, thank you for, Emily, thank you for letting me, for indulging uh, my geeky questions here. I appreciate it. I guess kind of before we we, uh, wrap up here, I do want to ask about... The historical nature of uh, you and your uh, your new job. So I know that you've been pretty open in talking about uh, being a you know a woman in kind of a male centric not kind of very male centric <laughs> field in hockey operations. So I guess what do you hope the message that you're hiring really sends? And uh, yeah, kind of
0: like what what do you what do you
1: hope that people get from you having a position like this?
0: I think um, you know the mindset is changing about who can be in the room Um, and that, you know, women should be in these positions. It's not a matter of, are they qualified? Like we all know there are qualified women out there. Um, So I think, you know, hopefully just opens the door for organizations and coaches, universities, you know, teams at all levels to see that, It doesn't have to be just one way. Um, And hopefully, you know, they see the benefit of having different people in the room, whether that's male, female, um, you know, straight, gay, Asian, black, white, like, you know, there's so much that you can gain from having different people in the room who have different experiences.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, I think that's, that seems as good of a message as I need to close on. Uh, And yeah, I would definitely. Echo that we, we need more women and particularly we need more LGBT voices in hockey. So yay, we have, we have, we have one more that's, uh, that's developing up the ranks here a little bit. So Emily, this was amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, where I, normally I ask because we have media people on where can people find your stuff? But, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know, like, uh, if, if where, where, uh, where, where are you at on the, uh, on the social medias or whatever?
0: Yeah. Um I'm I'm definitely on Twitter. Um I think my handle is Emily Angle underscore UW or something like that. That is correct, Um, I believe. Yeah. Awesome. I passed that test. Um there you go. I'm I'm also on Instagram as well. Um I think my handle is Emily K E thirty. Um, but those are two places that I like to post and kind of share things that are going on. Yeah. All right. Well and uh
1: Thank you so much for Emily to coming on the show. If you like the, uh, if you like J Percent Radio, please rate, rate, subscribe, review. Uh, I think we are. Um we're second, actually, I believe now to the uh, the Washington Capitals itself podcast in terms of uh, terms of uh, ratings and reviews online. So um, if you like, like I said, if you like the show, please rate, subscribe, review. You can follow me at Greg Y You can follow the amazing person who will remain unnamed who runs the uh, the Japers Radio Twitter, which you can find it at J Radio. And uh, thank you just so much for Emily for uh, coming on. Thanks for having me.